Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson, the talk show that makes the connections between research, policies, and practitioners that are too often missing from the American education system. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. I am your host, Jonathan Jefferson. You can learn more about me at my show page on TalkZone.com. Today, we are going to discuss teaching math. For decades now, international studies comparing students in the USA to those in other countries report that students of the USA are falling behind the world in math. What are we to do? What works? A book I encourage everyone to read is Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain by John Ratty, M.D., a psychiatrist and professor at Harvard University. His book shares research that espouses the benefits of exercise on learning, stress, anxiety, depression, attention deficit, addiction, hormonal changes, and aging. My first guest today has blended the benefits of exercise with learning math. Susie Kuntz is director of the National Math Foundation, creator of Math and Movement, and author and speaker. I met Susie a few years ago at a conference in Syracuse, New York. I later had my school district hire Susie to conduct a Math and Movement professional development workshop for my department. The workshop was very, very well received. Susie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Jefferson. It's really a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm, it's, I'm thrilled to, to be able to get you. I know you're extremely busy. Um, first and foremost, what is math and movement? Well, math and movement is a multisensory kinesthetic approach to teaching math that incorporates physical exercise, stretching, and cross-body movements, and also really beautiful, brightly colored floor mats that kids jump on for learning different math and reading concepts. Now, is this is this something that's taught in a gymnasium? Is it taught outside? Um, how, how how is this exactly taught? Well, generally, schools purchase um, the program. Um, the floor mats that they that we have are very heavy duty and uh, and excellent quality, so they last a long time. And they sometimes are a little too pricey for individual families, but libraries sometimes have them. Um, but mostly, the program has been purchased by elementary schools. Okay. Now, is this is this one mat? I mean, what what if they if they're purchasing the mats? Is there like different options, different levels? You know, tell us tell us more about that. Okay. So, um, I first started out with writing a book called Multiply with Me: Learning to Multiply Can Be Fun, and this is a book that um, came out of my own experience from teaching my daughter to multiply, and she is totally a kinesthetic learner, and I was trying all the traditional sit down. Um, approaches, having her write out numbers, so forth, and nothing, nothing worked. So um, what happened was I had her um, jump on the trampoline, and when she jumped on the trampoline, she started to, to learn her skip counting numbers. And that just sparked the whole program because I wrote the book about it. I brought the book to an elementary school where, where we tested it out. And then from there, all of math and movement started. Um, and then when I was working in schools, I got the idea for these formats. And so the very first ones that I came up with are a format that's long and thin. And the children jump over numbers. So, for example, if you're learning to skip count by threes, you would jump over the one and the two and then jump on the, the big three and say three and then four, five, six. 
so in that series, there are seven total formats. Um, but that was so incredibly successful that we have now branched off into um, formats for every different math concept, fractions, decimals and percents, fractions, um, Cartesian coordinates, the clock, the 100-number grid, on and on and on. So many, many. But we also have many materials for literacy also, and we're having excellent success with the literacy maths as well. And how long ago did you develop math and movement? It's been actually about six years now, so it's kind of amazing. It hasn't been that long, but we've um, been able to branch off into many schools, and and uh, the testimonials from teachers are just amazing. And the kids are the best. I mean, the kid when you show these formats to kids, their eyes get bright. And they say, "Oh, what do I do?" They they just think it's a game, and they want to jump and play and and have fun. So, uh, approximately, how many schools would you say have purchased uh, all or parts of Math and Movement? There, there are thousands now, um, and it's all over the country, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Tennessee, California, Colorado, just, um, just all over. In fact, we've lost track to some extent because there's just been so many. Oh, excellent. That's a good thing to lose track. Yes, yes it is. And all with really, really great testimonials of, of progress with the students. Um, and and the the workshops that I do are always well received also and I think the reason why is because traditional professional development is is such that we have the teachers sit down and okay now we're going to listen to a powerpoint or something like that but in our professional development the the teachers are up and moving and they so they feel so good at the end of the presentation because they've been able to be physically active and learn simultaneously now, now, what is your background? Is your background a, a math teacher, a classroom teacher? You know, how, how did you get interested in math, or, or were you always interested in math? Well, I, I have always been interested in math. I am I'm not an elementary school teacher. However, I come from a long line of educators. My mother was a reading specialist and retired after 30 years, and uh, my father wrote a premier book, um, Becoming a Teacher of Young Children. Uh, my father and stepmother both wrote this book, and it was... Um, used has been used in many schools, and uh, but I started out struggling with math, really, really struggling with it, and not being able to. I was not a good mathematician at all, and thought in fifth grade, I thought for sure I was going to fail. But um, I kept I, I kept working at it and struggling, um, and just hanging in there. And I have a funny story to tell you. When I was in uh, high school, I asked my high school teacher if he would tutor me. And he he said he would. Uh, he was sort of a typical math guy, and he um, I was pestering him with many questions. I was really trying to understand, and he got really fed up with me and said, "You will never amount to anything in math." So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> wow, and, and that <laughs> yeah. So so prior to math and movement, uh, what was your occupation? I became an actuary, and. Okay. Um, to be an actuary, you have to you have to study some of the hardest professional math exams. And when I was in college, as my someone I was a math major in college, one of my friends said, "Oh, don't take these exams; they're much too hard." This guy we know he failed it, and he's the he's the best math major. So I said, "Okay, I've got to try that." <laughs> so I ended up. It's all because of perseverance and and that I was able to to learn math and and get really good at it. I just continued to practice. But, you know, isn't that just about anything when we think about sports or playing a musical instrument? We just practice and practice, and then we get better. 
not that we, you know, have some, you know, generally we don't have some natural gift or talent that makes us shoot a, you know, three-pointer every time when we first start playing. Okay. Well, you sound like in some ways that you're competitive, that, you know, uh, the, the threat of failure kind of motivated you. Would that, would you say that's true? I think so, but also I was really determined to prove this math teacher wrong. You know, that he was, you know, he was so sure I would never amount to anything. Oh, and the other thing is I wrote books for actuaries. I wrote two books, Risk Theory Made Easy, Survival Models Made Easy. And these are 300 pages and it's math formulas from beginning to end. So I sent him a copy when he retired because I thought, you know, he might as well see that he was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little bit vengeful on your part. Just a little. Right. Okay. And I see you still get a chuckle out of that. Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Okay. Now share with us what you believe are the advantages of movement-based learning. The main advantage is that kids get exercise while they're learning. Um, so this reduces obesity. They feel better. Um, but also when we exercise, it stimulates the brain. So we actually learn significantly faster. And this is what was all going on with the brain research right now is that exercise improves the brain and makes it more receptive for learning. So the main advantage, you know, is that the kids, the the students learn so quickly and they they get exercise and their, their brain is just ready to receive more information. And I'm glad you made that point because uh, too often uh, prior to testing, uh, there are educators who are either not caught up with this research or just are choosing not to apply it, where you walk into a school building before a test and the kids are sitting quietly and they're, they might even be reading a book. And, and that really is probably not the best way for them to prepare for the test. They're probably walking around the building, probably doing stretching exercises. Those are probably things that would benefit them more prior to a test. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would also combine with that doing the math movements. So the other part of math and movement besides the formats is where where the students are doing cross-body movements and counting using this whisper loud technique. So I would say doing those exercises is really the best thing to do before a test. And okay. um, these cross-body movements are great because they integrate the left and the right hemispheres of the brain. Wow. And this is now, have you seen uh, or observed or even done research uh, proving the, the uh, positive impacts of, of movement-based learning using math and movement in particular? Yes, actually, we have done a tremendous amount of research. Um, the very first one was the, the pilot that I did in an elementary school, um, but since then, a dozen teachers have collected pre- and post-test information and found great gains. Um, Chattanooga, Tennessee is a very large school district, about 75 elementary schools, and they did a study there. Um, and found such wonderful results uh, that their their coordinated health director, who is the equivalent of an athletic director in New York State, um, he went to their director's meeting and, and shared math and movement. And I learned about it after the fact. And he showed the research that they had collected and um, were, were so pleased with using the program. Now, you know, as you know, I've... I've done similar attempts with a much smaller district that I work in in Long Island. And even after sharing the research and espousing the benefits of it, you know, it's very, very little movement um, toward implementing it. 
why do you believe there is some hesitancy or 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 some uh or why is someone could see the research and see the facts and just you know ignore it I think it has to do with the common core um you, just because the focus is on the common core but the good news is that math and movement is aligned with the common core and we have lesson plans in ebook and hard hard copy forms uh for teachers to use and so they they can really see that when they use math and movement, it actually helps them to meet the common core. And it's probably the best thing for helping to meet the common core uh, because okay. kids need to be active. They, they just need to move. And if there is a school district that's finding that they're maybe, you know, potentially going to have to close, math and movement can save them. Wow. That's, that's a powerful statement. And I'm, are you familiar with uh, Spark, the Revolutionary Science of exercising a brain by John Ratty. Absolutely, I use I use that book um, every time I go to a workshop. I say, if there's one book to read from coming out of this workshop, this would be the book because Excellent. of because of the um, because he compiled the compiled the data also with exercise in the brain. And there's a quote in in his book, which he, basically what he's saying is that when you dance. That's really the best thing for the brain because what you're doing is you're counting and you're, you're thinking and you're moving your body and keeping track of that and doing cross-body movements. Um, and the more complicated your movements are, the better it is for the brain and it's able to transfer to new learning. And that's exactly what the math movements are in math and movement is we're, we're doing these cross-body movements. Um, the best thing to do is just to look at the website, the math and movement website, and see see us doing those movements so you can see how how fun it is with the kids whispering using this whisper loud technique and and it's challenging it's stretching their mm-hmm. brain because the kids are even though they're supposed to touch their left toe and say one they they you know i mean it's hard for them to do that so they sort of when they initially start they sort of do it and then they get better and better as their brain grows okay now I discuss this in, in more depth because i depth because i find it very interesting that couple of areas that are the first to be cut are the areas that are most beneficial for learning. And in this case, you mentioned um, dance and music, which, of course, includes music and, and of course, exercise. And right. oftentimes those are the first areas to go. But at this time, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to Educate on TalkZone. Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Susie Kuntz. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on, on TalkZone. Now, Susie... Yes. Um, what exactly is the math myth? Oh, the math myth is that we have a math gene. And that is the only people that can learn math are people that have the math gene. And so they're good at it just because they, um, they're good. Just something in their, in their makeup makes them good at math. But I think that's a myth because practice makes perfect. 
So I'm, I'm the prime example. I practice and practice and I learned math and I went on to, from knowing no math and struggling with it to writing a 300 page volume of, um, math formulas for, from beginning to end and at, and at, and an advanced level of statistics. Uh, just, just hearing that math. makes, yeah, just hearing that makes my head just want to split. The thought of, you know, trying to go through that. And, and I was very good at math, but, but you do have to apply yourself. And, and, and if you really get into it, it just, it's, it can be joyful. I mean, I, I remember running to high school, uh, calculus class because the teacher would always challenge us with a formula to get the, the class started. So myself and my, uh, I guess we were nerdy, <laughs> my nerdy <laughs> friends would run to the, you know, uh, Dr. Feinstein's class, you know, to see if we can, you know, solve the formula before the class got started. So it, it truly can be fun. And, and I, I think you've added the fun back to it with math and movement as well. And the other part of math, too, is that um, it's not fun if you don't know how to do it. But if you hang in there and keep practicing and you learn how to do it, then it is truly a puzzle and a game and, and so much fun. But most people stop before they get to that point where it's they really learn it. So it is. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a struggle at that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Now, when you mentioned the, the the math myth, the first thing that came to mind that I hear often is the the um, the stereotype, the bias that you know boys are better at math than girls and and things of that nature. Uh, what is your take on that? I I don't agree with that either. I think. Their boys and girls are equally good at math. I think that's a myth also. Yeah. And, and I know there's, uh, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we did a technology segment and she actually has what she calls the Willow Project. It's also a nonprofit and her focus is in introducing uh, young women and girls to, uh, STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering and math. Right. So, um, so I thought, you know, so I think, um, your proof of, of the work that she's now putting in to, to overcome that stereotype, which I think exists less today than it did in the past. Would you Fortun- agree? Fortunately, it, it does. Uh, I yes. remember my mother right. will tell me, she, you know, that they, um, you know, that they would just say to her, and she was in school, she graduated from Cornell in 54, they would just say, oh no, you're a girl, you can't do math. Mm, wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, well, thankfully, we have matured as a as a, a nation, <laughs> and right. and in a world of education uh, beyond that. Uh, uh, tell me more. Tell me about your nonprofit, the National Math Foundation. Well, we are so excited that we now have the five hundred one c three. We had been waiting two or three years for it, and we finally have it now. And what that means is that we have the opportunity to write larger grants for teachers and schools that would like to have the Math and Movement Program. Uh, for years, we've been writing grants for individual school districts to have the program, and now we'll just be able to expand our efforts. Um, but the other, we have a couple of other things that we're doing with the National Math Foundation. One is our summer institutes, and another one is that the goal is to model this after Teach for America, where we will have core members working for the National Math Foundation, but they will be working out in schools as teaching assistants and supporting uh, seasoned classroom teachers with um, movement-based learning, and also they will be responsible for the pre and the post testing. We are we are very very big on collecting the data. It's really the most important thing we do is to collect the data to show the evidence 
um, of the progress that the students make. Okay. Now, will the National Math Foundation, will you be uh, writing grants um, in order to acquire funds for the foundation in order to offer these opportunities to school districts? That is correct. That That's what we're doing. Um, and, and right now what we're very busy doing is, is writing grants for our summer institutes. So in our with our summer institutes, uh, teachers will come, and then we will um, – what we're writing the grants for is that so every teacher that comes would go home with a, a very large number of materials so that they can start using the materials with their students. But also, we would like the teachers to be trainers. So this is a train-the-trainer program that we offer that will allow our participants to train the other teachers in their school district and in their area. Uh, so it it's really will be a powerful vehicle for getting our message out, which is that movement-based learning is a very superior way to um, have, our, you know, have our programs in schools. The traditional approaches of sit down, everybody sit down, you know, be quiet, it's just not as powerful as movement-based learning, and we can also differentiate the, the instruction with math and movement. Absolutely. And how many institutes do you plan on running this summer? We will have three, one in Kansas, one in New York, Ithaca, New York, and one in Nashville, Tennessee. So the ones in Kansas and Tennessee are in June, um, and the one in New York is in July. So it works really well because if, let's say, New York teachers want to go, or any teachers from the East Coast where your school doesn't get out to the end of June, you can either go to Kansas the beginning of June, which is not such a bad time to leave um, and have a sub, or you can wait until New York and, and go to the come up to beautiful Ithaca in July, where you know Ithaca is beautiful in, in July. <laughs> well, yes, yes, it is, because right now you're probably buried under a couple we of are, feet of snow. We are buried. <laughs> That's right. We had no school today. Everything was closed. Uh, the same down here on, on Long Island. It's been, uh, I like the snow. I like to snowshoe and ski and what have you. But when you're stuck, you know, in one location and you get cabin fever, that's when I'd prefer to be in the Caribbean or, yes. you know, uh, <laughs> for the South. But, okay. So, uh, who should attend these institutes? For example, is this, uh, K through 12, is it K through college? Is it, you know, who, which, which educators, think, which levels? Uh, K5 is the best for the Summer Institute. And we welcome pre-service teachers as well as in-service teachers. And we are working right now on trying to get college credit for the pre-service teachers that come. Uh, we haven't, we don't have a final answer on that, but that is our goal. Okay. Uh, really, and, any, any teacher that wants to um, get new strategies for um, their students. Uh, and the other wonderful thing about the Summer Institute is that we will host a math camp for students simultaneously. So the teachers will be trained um, with their, uh, and, and then they'll practice their new strategies with the students that are at the camp. So uh, it, this this model of, of uh, training really works so well for teachers. And um, there's also going to be many, many um, opportunities for collaboration with other teachers. It, it will be a fast-paced, exciting summer institute where 
uh, the teachers will just be so excited about it. And then they'll have an opportunity at the end to give a presentation, and that will be their first presentation because they, they will be so well-trained that they'll be able to go and make that presentation to um, their administrators. We had this one uh, wonderful opportunity with a PE teacher, actually, in uh, Tennessee, and she um, pre, pre- and post-tested her children, her students, did the math and movement program, and got such fabulous results that she brought them to her principal. And her principal said, wow, my classroom teachers are not getting these results. Let's go and meet with the superintendent. And the superintendent said, this is so fabulous. I want you to make a presentation to our board of education, which Mm. she did. So she's, um, and I, I I was just down in Tennessee, so I visited her and her husband. And her husband said, my wife's the rock star at the at the um, at, at central office. <laughs> so <laughs> that is awesome, and I'm actually uh, I think I'm thrilled at the idea that you know students will actually be at the at the at the institute, you know, having a their own camp. Um, that's that's a great combination. How long is the the institute? It's a four day. It's a Monday through Thursday, so it starts starts on Monday morning, and then we're done by about three on Thursday. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Now, we have been speaking with Susie Kuntz, director of the National Math Foundation, creator of Math and Movement, and author and speaker. To learn more about Susie and Math and Movement, visit her website at mathandmovement.com and suzykuntz.com. That's S-U-Z-Y-K-O-O-N-T-Z.com. Susie, I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jefferson. It really was a pleasure to talk with you. Same here. You take care. You you too. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Stay tuned because my next guest will share the math curriculum being used in one of the many Asian nations that are outpacing students in the USA.